Welcome to Channel Smart, where we take on the challenges of channel evolution, indirect routes to market, alternate and shadow channels, and our mission to save the channel. Brought to you by Intel. The channel landscape is super complex, and navigating your business through that complexity can be daunting. That's where JS Group comes in. We help tech vendors, distributors, and channel firms succeed where others fall short. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Channel Smart, where, as you know, we're saving the channel pretty much one episode at a time. I'm your host, Janet Shines. And today, our guest is Sarah Wiskus, Global Sales Director at Intel. She's had an amazing career at Intel. She's moved from a, a progressed, actually, I guess you could say, from a field sales and marketing role right out of college to now being a senior leader in the role that she holds today. So I'm super excited to have her here. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for the warm welcome, Janet, and having me today. I'm super excited to be here. That's awesome. So, you know, just as we start talking, because I'm in Florida and it's 81 degrees here, as I understand it, um, you're right now up in the great white north. So how you survive in this snowy, cold, burr winter? Oh, man, um, I'm jealous I'm not in Florida right now. Uh, I have lived in Minnesota almost my entire life, so I have thick skin and I'm used to it. But this morning when I woke up, it was negative two. Oh. Our average yeah, I know. Our average temperature in January was nine degrees, which is even cold from our standards. But, you know, in, in Minnesota, you make the most of it. So we have snowmobiling and skiing and even ice fishing, which is a ton of fun if you've never tried it. That sounds amazing. I did go ice fishing once um, and I was stunned by the fact that I wasn't cold. We were in one of those little huts with a fire. I don't know what they're called, but uh, it was a great experience. Uh, very cool. So I also noticed I was looking at your Twitter profile and it looks like you've got three amazing kids uh, and your daughters look like they're very talented and aspiring dancers. So did they get that competitive treat from you or, you know, what, what's happening there? Oh, that's funny. I would say yes to the competitive trait for sure. I mean, I don't think you're in um, high tech and sales for very long unless you have a, a big competitive streak. But dancing, no, they didn't get that from me. Uh, I grew up on a farm, so dancing wasn't really an option. I was outside, you know, with the animals and helping yeah. my parents. But I, but I do really enjoy the glitter, the glam, the technique of watching my girls dance you know, very disciplined, um, you know, very much a, an athletic sport, you know, six pack abs, everything that they're doing. Wow. So, and, and, you know, there's no way I could do that um, without breaking something. So it's not me for sure. It's amazing. It's amazing. I feel like I could break something watching it sometimes. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm more of a, you know, nice walk on the beach kind of person, um, which is low stress to the body. Um, but that's amazing and, uh, continued good luck to them. So, you know, I wanted to open up the business part of this, uh, conversation with a topic that quite frankly is on everyone's mind and, and growing in concern, which is the inability to get devices due to one record demand, of course, but all also supply chain issues. In fact, you know, we've seen chip prices surge in 2021, um, fueled by a lot of different things, including the perceived shortage of that availability. Um, but we've just seen this as a continued issue. And Gardner indicates, you know, that frankly, it wasn't just availability that caused those prices to, sure, to surge up. But as I mentioned earlier, kind of a pure increase in demand and raw materials. So I was wondering if you could shed any light on this for the partners listening on what's happening at Intel and, and in the chip market just overall in general. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think any of us could have, could have predicted 
um, COVID and, and the shift to remote work and remote learning. And we really think the, the demand spike was fueled by that. You know, you know, people at home soon realized that their old technology wasn't going to cut it anymore if you're going to be on this your system or your devices 24-7. I mean, I remember just a few years ago when people were saying the PC was dead and they could get away with doing everything on their phone. And, and boy, when, when push came to shove and we actually had to do that, that just wasn't the case. So yep. people were, were realizing, oh my gosh, I didn't realize my system was so old or my system was so slow. And I need to be able to, to do all this video and Google Meets and all these things for, for the, the Chromebook as well. And it just drove everyone to, re, to, to soon realize that they needed to refresh their technology. And also, you know, what we see is we had a lot of people that were still using desktops and yeah. those, they just really weren't set up for home use. They didn't have you know, VPN, they didn't have wireless, you know, and those kinds of things. So we, we saw a huge demand spike because of remote work and specifically notebook. That that's really, that's really interesting. And it it is true. You know, it was all fun and games using your mobile device until you actually had to. Um, So, and then, you know, you realize how important your, your PC was. Um, So how long do you expect the device supply chain impact in this market to last? Well, from a system level, what I'm hearing from the industry analysts is, is saying through all the all this year too. Um, the the good news is that I do think um, when it comes to some of our more commercial grade and enterprise grade products, there's priority that goes there um, versus some of the lower end solutions. Um, but yeah, what I'm hearing from the industry analysts is, is saying that we're we're probably going to be in this pickle all of all of this year. Yeah. And, and Intel, of course, always a leading company in the industry and, you know, so, uh, so great with the channel actually announced in December, it's making a huge multi-year investment into the build out of uh, chip manufacturing to position itself and, and everyone who relies on the Intel brand for the future. Could you tell us a little bit more about that news and, and, you know, how it might impact the channel and of course the channel's customers in the future? Yeah, for sure. So it was it was a giant announcement we made the first time in 40 years uh, where we're investing in a new factory in Ohio. I think it's about a $20 billion investment. And we are calling that Ohio region the, the Silicon Heartland. And being a Midwest girl, I'm pretty excited about that. That's um, awesome. So we're, we're taking, yeah, so we're taking the bull by the horns when it comes to our own solutions to make sure that we have the capacity to support all this demand, um, you know, and everyone in in the silicon duster industry needs to, you know, take that ownership and drive it. And so it's very exciting to see um, the investment in the factory going in in Ohio. It really is, and that that's amazing. And you know, that whole the concept of a silicon heartland is is amazing because you know. Frankly, technology through this whole crisis, uh, the COVID crisis, has been the heart—you know—the heartbeat uh, of America. So it's just amazing to see that happen. So uh, just excited to see that. Um, and you know, kind of segueing into that, the global supply chain, right? One of many things uh, that got disrupted over the past uh, couple of years. A lot of companies still have most of their workforce remote or maybe hybrid. Travel for many is still restricted or at least um, restrained. And we see continued COVID infection as well as now what is a growing unrest and difficult situation in Europe, um, all kind of putting a damper 
um, on what was growing optimism. And so as an example, we see partners now having to find a way to work with clients often on Zoom calls and not in person, even for big IT projects. And the expectation initially, right, when COVID started was that'll only last a few months, but many buildings still have restrictions on outsiders coming in, which the partner would be considered. And so that surely changed how they go to market and sell solutions And it shows some of the partners putting huge gains on the board, part of that increased demand because they've harnessed the power of remote um, for their marketing, for their prospecting, uh, for their servicing, and others have not. And so uh, the ones that have not have really created a lack of new clients um, and even retained clients for their business. So we see this remote and hybrid work sure has changed how the channel goes to market, how it services, um, quite frankly, how it survives. And so I'm wondering, how has all of this impacted Intel? Well, Intel, like many companies, has changed how we get work done as well. Uh, We are now a hybrid first company uh, way early on when COVID first happened and the mandates came out for remote work. You know, we had to go to the U.S. government and petition to be essential for our factory workers um, that are making our chips for us. Uh, so we had to shift to all of those things, just just like a lot of other large companies did. And you know, it it had we had to use data and analytics and telemetry to really make some of those those hard decisions. And I think that there has been just a ton of creativity. It hasn't all all been negative. There's been I see my t- global team more now than I ever have because we are now have adapted to a user experience of turning a camera on. If you remember. The, the early days of, of teleconferencing, none of us would turn a camera on. Like, exactly. What, what about? And, and so I would only see my global team, you know, once or twice a year when, when I could go to China or go to Europe. And now I see them every week because we are, we're, we've trained ourselves to turn those cameras on and look at each other. And so I don't think it's all been negative. I think if anything, I've just seen a a huge amount of creativity uh, back to your prospecting and how we reach people. People are using technology for amazing, amazing things. And I, I think COVID has really accelerated that. I agree. And that's where we see in the channel kind of almost a have and have not the people that adapted. And to your point, I'm now I'm almost uncomfortable on a Zoom call or a, or a Teams call or a Google Meet call when the camera's not on. Um, people that have adapted have done very, very well. Um, and those who thought, oh, this will go away and we'll go back to the old way of doing things um, have fallen behind. And so I think it's been exciting for me to uh, get to, quite frankly, go into people's homes, right? Um, and see where they live and work and, and play. Uh, it's been, I, I think it's been a breath of fresh air um, for us. But um, I want to keep on this topic for a second. So when you think about this trend of work from home, um, how is it, do you feel at Intel, it's impacted customers and the channel's needs? Well, first of all, uh, the shift to remote work has definitely brought some challenges for our enterprise and customers and the channel that are is servicing enterprise uh, because, again, we just weren't set up for it. Um, I like to call the home the black hole for IT because it, it really lacks the visibility for our IT departments. They don't know what the connectivity that's going into the home. They don't know what the access points are, are like in the house, you know, those types of things. Well, we're in an office, they know exactly 
what the connectivity is coming into the building. They know what the corporate access points are doing inside the building. They can get it all the way down to the cube, what's going on. But in, in the home, they don't have that visibility. And because they don't have that visibility, there's concerns from a remote management perspective. You know, how do I do an OS update every six months? How do I make sure I'm taking all the, you know, all these security patches I need? Um, there's concerns around security that have come up from many customers that they didn't really have to think about this before. So for example, we had banking customers that have disabled the ports for printing uh, because they don't want them printing at home because they don't have the shredders and the, the process in place for printing in a secured fashion. And uh, we've also had customers that, that said, hey, you know, you need to turn off your home device if you have an Alexa or something like that, because we're concerned about security when you're having private enterprise conversations. So yeah. I believe that there has just been a lot of challenges with remote work for some of our end customers and, and our partners that service those end customers. That's really interesting. And I think that's where IT's focus now and the partner's focus is now on platforms that can help protect and restore devices that are remote, um, like the vPro uh, platform. Can you tell us a little bit more about vPro and, and how that's working? Yeah. So first of all, vPro has been around a very long time. Uh, we just celebrated its 15-year birthday. And uh, it's it's been one of those platforms that have been at Intel a very long time to service those enterprise and customer needs. And it's really a specification at the end of the day that says, hey, we need to have a certain level of technology from a performance perspective. We need to have uh, the most secure technology inside of it. We need to have the best remote management capability and those types of things. And if you, if you do all these things on this list, uh, OEM, you can put the vPro sticker on the system. And so we call it a platform because it's more than just the processor. It has to have the right chipset, the right NIC, the right Wi-Fi, the corporate firmware. There's a whole list. And we've, we've really made it easy for IT to understand, hey, I don't have to think too hard about it. I just look for that sticker. And I know I'm getting enterprise grade or commercial grade um, versus a consumer device, for example. And it comes in all kinds of form factors. You know, we have desktops, all-in-ones, mobile mobile devices, workstations. So it's it's really all about how do we make it easy for IT to understand, yep, that's professional grade. That's what I need. Well, and that's that's so cool. And I, I will tell you, and, and for our listeners, I just ordered a new computer that of course has the vPro platform on it. So I'll be unboxing that in the video. Look for that uh, in, my, uh, in my stream soon. But um, I want to double dip a little bit on when you think about vPro and how it helps enterprise IT support a remote workforce. Can you give us a couple specifics on how it does that? Yeah, for sure. So First of all, from a performance perspective, when you're working from home and we talked about the challenges around connectivity, the challenges around having a video on all the time, performance is a huge deal. So with vPro, you automatically get the best connectivity inside the system, the best uh, processor and performance capability that we have. So you know 
from the PC perspective, you've got the, the most performance you can have um, when you're working from home. The second thing is around security. We talked about when you're working from home, you're more susceptible to security issues. You're not on the corporate firmware or corporate uh, firewall and those types of things. And you could be clicking on things because you're kind of balancing personal and business throughout your day. And you need to make sure that you have the most secure system as possible uh, to protect yourself and to protect your company. And so you don't, again, you don't have to think about it. That's automatically in, in the vPro system. And then the last piece is really around that remote management and, and giving IT that reach into the, that black hole of IT I talked about. Because again, we need to keep systems patched. We need to keep systems healthy. We need to update systems. We need to, you know, when you have people living in Zimbabwe and back to the supply chain issue and their system breaks, I mean, it would normally take a month to get a PC to that person. And now with the supply chain challenges, it could even take three months to get to a, a new PC to that person. So if you have that remote capability to get to that person and fix them without having them be down months and months until a new system arrives, that's huge to employee productivity. Yeah, that's amazing. It sounds like vPro is finding itself in the right place at the right time. And quite frankly, we're hearing from all of our channel partners and their customers are all looking for better, more complete um, remote management and security. You know, when you think about partners who manage their clients IT remotely, they're particularly challenged by this now. Their clients want to or need to work remote or hybrid, um, quite frankly, as most of us do. And they want the best security, though, to protect data and protect their businesses. So it's a big challenge for the partners who, by the way, are also often working a little short-staffed. Can we say IT staff shortages, everyone? Uh, not just chip shortages. There's also a lot of talent um, missing with the great resignation and retirement and then you know, as we came into the pandemic already a gap uh, in IT. And so, of course, you know, their customers don't want to have any impact to their bottom line. In fact, everyone's worrying about impacting productivity that they feel, you know, was already slightly impacted by the move to remote work. So the challenge is really real. And I participate in a lot of partner groups. And this topic is always a hot one, how to do more and protect more with less. It seems like that's our 2022 motto and challenge. And like vPro can help with that. Do you agree? Yeah, nothing says Nothing says and nothing screams technology more than helping people do more with less. You have to leverage technology to do that for sure. And so many examples of that, like we talked around video conferencing, for example, you know, how do we make that experience almost as good as if you were face-to-face? -face? It's very interesting because if you think about you're on a video conference, it's 2D, but if you're face-to-face, -face, you're 3D. So how do you make the, the ability to do whiteboarding better? How can you make the noise cancellation better so you don't hear the dog barking in the background and how do you make um, the the video so crystal clear that it feels like I could reach out and touch you and so when you're having to do more with less you have to leverage technology that's the only way you can really drive the most productivity and that big immersive experience that we need to drive to be successful well I think I might just be in love with vPro now if I wasn't already. So the vPro platform helps with all of this? 
Oh, for sure. And more. I mean, it, it's really, again, that enterprise grade promise. So it's, it's what an end user wants to have that awesome experience of rich performance and the ability to make sure IT is going to keep me safe and keep me running. But then IT loves it because it's just rock solid, right? They don't have to think about it. They just look for that sticker and they know they've got a stable, solid platform and they can take that out of the variable, right, of the home, right? As we talked about with, with the home being the black hole of IT, let's at least take our portion of it, the PC, and, and take that variable out of the equation. And that's really what we're trying to do. I love that. So, you know, when we talk about the channel, often the channel plays the IT role, right? Um, managing remote devices for customers, serving as their IT. So let's talk a little bit about the channel and how Intel sees the role that the channel's playing. Well, MSPs are hugely important in this space for from the fact that they have these SLAs that they have to service and they want to improve their services to manage devices for corporations. And so the same, the same things apply, you know, how we can reach the home, how we can keep these systems healthy. And a lot of customers use partners for that. And I also believe that it will lead a nice way into the Windows 11 migration. So we, if we set up the ability to have these MSPs and partners service these IT customers with vPro, then it also sets them up to then, oh, next year, hey, let's talk about Windows 11 and how we're going to upgrade all these systems that are in crazy home offices all over the world. How is that gonna work, right? And so it's another services opportunity for the MSPs to expand what they're doing, improve their SLAs they have today, and then take them to the next level with things like Windows 11 in the future. It's great. It sounds like it really is delivering that, you know, highly reliable computing platform and the ability to ensure business continuity. I know one of the, the geek in me gets excited about the feature that even if the OS wouldn't boot, an MSP could remotely still access the PC and remediate the issues, which is, you know, something that is unique. Um, and so that's, you know, exciting in these times. So it really sounds like it's doing everything needed for a partner to ensure business continuity. Yeah, and it's come a long way. I think in the beginning, 15 years ago, it was it was very difficult. It was wired only, desktop only. It was actually a server technology that we took into the client way back when. And now it's in the cloud and you can be in the middle of nowhere, not on the VPN, and you can still get reached by your IT department, whether that's a partner or their own IT department and get up and running again. It's huge. That's huge. Uh, exactly. And then it also, again, connects back to the supply chain issue, right? So if I can keep a system up and healthy, I don't have to order a new system and wait around for that. Yeah. And that's, that's massive right now. Um, so, wow, what a, what a great rundown. Thanks for sharing that with us. And, you know, as we start to wrap up, I just have a couple more things to talk about. I think it's so great to see women in tech with passion and, and it's so clear that you have a passion for what you're doing. Um, do you have any words of wisdom or advice for other women in tech who are listening in that you'd like to share with the audience? For sure. I think fundamentally having a technology foundation 
can enable you to do anything you want to do. It's like a foundation in a house. You can, once you have that technology foundation, you can go into so many different facets with your career. I mean, I remember when I was an electrical engineering student, I would have never imagined that I would be leading a big technical global team and traveling to all over the world and solving customer problems. I would have never imagined that. And you can do so many things and you don't need to know at 17 that this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. If you just focus on getting that foundation, it's huge. And we need to get more women going after those advanced technical degrees so we can bring those diverse ideas into the workforce because that's going to fuel innovation and take technology to the next level. Oh, such a great perspective. And I, I truly believe in a world that is knowledge and technology led, right? More of us have to invest. And even if you're later in your career, taking certifications or doing other technical programs or courses is, is a really worthwhile thing to do. So that's great advice. And thank you so much for taking the time to share all of this with us today. Could you share one more thing with the audience, which is how people can connect with you and Intel if they want to know more about Vipro? Well, I'm happy to connect with people on LinkedIn anytime. So you can look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, Intel also has a very robust website. They have many social channels that they're involved with. So there's a ton of great information out there. But of course, I love hearing from people uh, via LinkedIn. So just just give me a, a ping there and I'm happy to help with anything. I love that. So that's an action for all our listeners. Make sure you connect with Sarah on LinkedIn. So thanks again, Sarah. And thanks to everyone who's listening. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate you taking the time to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. We're hosted on Apple, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other podcast platforms. We're adding new podcasts monthly, and you can also access our podcasts in the resources at jsgnow.com. On behalf of the whole team at JS Group, Sarah, thank you. And we really appreciated your time today. Thanks for listening to Channel Smart, where we take on the challenges of channel evolution, indirect routes to market, alternate and shadow channels, and our mission to save the channel. Brought to you by Intel. Subscribe now on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and always be the first to access new episodes. For bookings, feedback, questions, or comments, feel free to reach us at info at jsgnow.com.